Hi everybody, my name is Nick Beard. I'm the audiovisual director here at Peninsula Covenant Church, or PCC. Welcome to our message podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I want you just to give a round of applause to our guest speaker, Lori. Would you applaud for her? Come right here. I want you to get to know Lori a little bit uh, before uh, she speaks with us today. And so can you give us some background with regards to your story when you felt called to ministry, when you felt called to, this is what I think God wants me to do. I actually was tricked into ministry, I think, by God, because I, I had never really seen women doing anything in the church that I imagined myself doing, and I was a theater arts major, so wow. I was going to be an actress, and you can see how well my career is going. <laughs> and, uh, and from that, I was just volunteering on the side and um, working with teenagers in particular, and, um, and then eventually became an intern, but I was always on the side. Have you ever done something on the side of your life, and then all of a sudden you realize your on-the-side life is actually your life? Mm-hmm. And that is really what happened to me. And the first time I was called actually up to the Bay Area to be um, an interim youth director at First Presbyterian Church of Berkeley, which is when Gary was the youth pastor here, and, uh, and so it was only going to be a six-month gig, right? Sure. And then yeah. I got there, and they voted on keeping me, and the youth pastor went into another position at the church. So that's how, I, that's how everything began. And then eventually, now I uh, served in the small group ministry at the church at Ocean Hills, and that's a whole big, long story. Mm-hmm. And now I've moved to part-time because I'm doing some speaking and writing and, and encouraging the church at large. Sure, sure. So uh, Where Lori is, she's down at Ocean Hills Church in Santa Barbara, which which is a covenant church that we have connection and friendship with their pastoral staff. I just saw Lori actually speak down at Mission Springs. She was speaking at their family camp. She's here today with her husband, and she'll tell us more about that. You just went on a whirlwind this morning. You've yes, done this I three did. Times. Wow. We put you in a car you got- <laughs> and took you places. Just one observation about PCC. Oh, my today goodness. Well, you- what's happening in that gym is really exciting. Huh. I don't know you how over many- here. Yes, that too, but also, yes, oh my goodness, the fact that you're leaving, I love this, I love this, you're leaving church to create church, you know, because that's what we really need to do, we need to get out of our four walls and get into the community, and I see you doing that, and your pastor works hard, but you know, it's a limited amount of time, and then, you know, he gets a break at the end, so, Um, but it was, it's just been a joy to see all the different ways that your body is worshiping, so it's really Mm, fun, yeah. It's awesome. Well, let me pray for us and pray for Lori. Lord, thank you uh, how you've called her. It's so obvious. You've given her a gift, and now you're just maximizing the usage of that gift. Lord, today, this story of the lost son, uh, help us find ourselves in the story. Uh, Lord, we just pause right now and take a pause, and if you will, put your hands out if you're open to just receiving what God wants to speak to you right now. Uh, through Lori's words. So speak, Father. We're listening, and we'll give you the glory in what you'll do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Brian. So um, I, you know, I know you're in a series in the parables, and it's called The Greatest Stories Ever Told, but I actually today get the greatest 
greatest story ever told. I, in my opinion, this is the greatest parable, and it's not that the rest aren't good, they are, but this is the parable that Jesus teaches to talk about God's love. And what's interesting about this parable, and why I can't just go straight to the parable, is if you are in Luke 15, or if you have a Bible, you will notice that there are two parables that Jesus teaches right before he teaches the parable of the prodigal son. And so you think, well, why, why does he do that? There must have been some purpose. There must have been some reason why Jesus would teach three parables back to back to talk about God's love. And so we're just going to look a little bit at those first two because I'm a huge believer in context and, and why Jesus would tell those stories before he told the prodigal son. So the first one, the first one you'll see is a story um, that we just sung about. And maybe some of you have always wondered about that line that says, leaves the 99. Well, guess what? It's in the first parable of Luke 15, which is about a shepherd and some sheep. And so Jesus tells this parable about a shepherd that has 100 sheep and leaves 99 to go out looking for the one who has wandered. And so I kind of like to talk about this parable in light of accidental lostness, because we all know that sheep can't purposefully get lost. I mean, they don't go, you know, hey, Harry, let's go over there. You know, they don't usually have those kinds of discussions. They put their, their maybe, hey, fuzzy, not hey, Harry. <laughs> they, put their, they put their heads down, and they just kind of eat their way to lostness, right? I mean, they're just, oh, that looks good. Oh, that looks good. And all of a sudden, they look up, and they realize, where am I? And so because that happens all the time, if you ever go to the Middle East or anywhere where sheep are, you will always notice there is a shepherd trying to keep them together because one is bound to wander off. So this is a parable about accidental lostness, which means you didn't really mean to get lost. And uh, actually, Gary reminded me of a story about a week ago about uh, what, something that happened to the pastor I was working for at the time that he was a youth pastor here and I was a youth pastor at First Press Berkeley. Earl Palmer um, went to Princeton University uh, Seminary, and he had three buddies who all became pastors here on the, on the West Coast. They were all on the West Coast. And so when they would get time off from Princeton, they would do the rotate drive thing. I don't know if any of you have done that, but you just, you want to get there. So you're driving day and night and rotating drivers. And so Earl tells the story that in the middle of the night was when he got his shift, and they had pulled into a gas station, and so the person who was driving got in the back seat, immediately fell asleep, Earl got, you know, behind the wheel, and he started driving. And, you know, they were driving all the way from the East Coast to the West Coast. And so he realized about three hours later that when he saw the sun rise ahead of him, that he was unfortunately headed the wrong direction. And rather than wake his buddies up and get ridiculed, he did not wake them up. He just quietly got back on the freeway going the other direction. And so when everybody woke up and realized they were in the same place that they were when he took over, they knew what he had done. So he was, he was caught in his accidental lostness. But you know, now we have GPSs, so theoretically this shouldn't happen to us anymore. But let me ask you something. How many of you have a GPS with you, giving you directions, and have taken a wrong turn or, or have gotten lost. Just raise your hand boldly. Come on, let's all do it. That's right. We do this. And so accidental lostness is something we're all very familiar with. But I wonder if anyone in here has ever gotten accidentally lost in another way. 
where you didn't really mean to wander from God. It was just one little decision that you thought was harmless. And then that led to another decision and another group of people and another relationship and another thing that wasn't that bad. And all of a sudden you wake up and you realize, where am I? How did I get here? And what Jesus says in this parable of accidental lostness is that God will leave the 99 and come and find you. That's what his love is like. Well, then he moves on. Jesus moves on to tell the parable of the lost coin. And so that parable is about a woman who has 10 coins and she loses one of them and she sweeps the house and searches everywhere till she finds that coin. And I started thinking about that. That is really a story of getting lost by somebody else, right? Because the coin doesn't just decide to get lost on its own. It can't do that. It has to be lost by somebody else. And so I wonder how many of you have ever been in that situation where you have felt lost because of circumstances that have happened to you. You had no control of them. Maybe other people made decisions that affected you, and you ended up in a place where you're like, where are you, God? Do you even know that I'm here? And that parable helps us see that yes, he does. I have to tell you that for me, getting lost on purpose really happened circumstantially in my life in the area of singleness, extended singleness singleness much longer than I wanted to be. I actually was not the ring by spring gal. I know that's the goal for some girls when they go to college, but I told God that about 25 was when I'd like to meet my guy and get married. I don't know if you've ever presented God with a plan, but I wonder how that's going for you. Uh, Usually that doesn't go real well for me. Um, He seems to have his own mind on things. And so when I got to 30, and I was still single, I began to recruit other people in this prayer. And actually, Gary Gadini was one of them. He was praying for for me to find a husband. You know, all over the country, people were like, Lord, have mercy, and give this girl a husband. And, uh, And so when 40 hit and I was still single, I began to suspect that God was deaf. I don't know if you've ever had that suspicion or wondered. Um, Maybe you've been praying a prayer so long, you wonder, where are you? Are you even listening to me? And so at 42, when I finally got engaged, I have to say that the hallelujah chorus broke out in my household. I'm not kidding. I mean, um, and so I, I immediately had my two bridal showers, bought the most beautiful wedding dress you've ever seen, because I was a professional bridesmaid. And finally, I was going to get to buy the dress, right? And then just a couple months short of my wedding, my fiance got deployed. He was actually a Marine reservist, and so he got deployed, he got called, and he was going to be gone nine months. And we contemplated the shotgun wedding, but decided wisely to wait. I thought, I've waited this long. I can wait a little longer. And uh, in the course of his deployment, when he was away, unbeknownst to me, his ex-wife actually began to have second thoughts about leaving him in their divorce. And so when he came home, we actually broke up and he remarried his ex-wife, which is a great story when you're not the girl engaged to the guy. And I've said to the earlier services that there were well-meaning Christians that said, well, isn't it great that God used you to bring them back together? (laughs) And I'm like, you know what? It's fabulous, and I hope you have the same opportunity someday. (laughs) Truthfully, truthfully, it was great. It was great. My parents are divorced. 
And I have lived with the brokenness that divorce brings on a family. It just does, right? I mean, my dad's married to someone 20 years younger than him. And my mom's married to someone, or was married to someone, he just recently passed, who's 11 years older than her, and it brought more children and more people, and God's grace is apparent in the mess. It always is. But I'm telling you what, if there had been a chance for my parents to come back together, that would have been the first choice. It always is. And, and so it was a great story for everyone but me. And I wonder if you've ever felt that. Why, God? Why? Why me? Why is this happening to me? I see a lot of women who are married and have kids, and, and why, why not me? Well, that was my story, but I wonder what your story is. We all have those areas of our life where we wonder, why do you see me? And I believe the parable of the lost coin says, yes, I see you. And I not only see you, I am going to work to find you. And I'm not through with your story. We give up on God too soon because we have timelines, right? We have timelines when things are supposed to happen. And marriages, you know, aren't supposed to happen in their 40s. They happen earlier, right? And so I was like, Lord, you know, this is just, this isn't going to happen. But my story wasn't over. Because 45 came, and then 46, and 47, and 48, and do you know that at 49 years old, I finally got engaged again, and this time, the wedding happened. <laughs> and he's sitting up here in front of, in front of, and you'll meet him after the service. But I have a picture of the three of us, because I married two men, got two for the price of one, because, you know, unless he was going to pull another Sarah-type birth, he had to provide. And so I got a son, and his mom actually moved to Australia and married someone there, so we've had a chance to raise him. He calls me mom, and now this next uh, slide shows what he looks like now. He's 15 and a teenager, so he doesn't always like me all the time, but he'll pass through that stage. I know, because I was a youth pastor, but he is a wonderful, beautiful boy, they both are, and that God would have that for me when it was too late. And so maybe some of you are sitting here today saying it's too late. God never did this. God hasn't done this. He's not going to do this, and I want you to know your story isn't over. That's what the lost coin says. Your story isn't over. So turn to the person next to you and say, your story isn't over. Your story isn't over. Because... If you got up this morning and you're still breathing, God is not through with your story. I don't care how gray your hair is. If you got up this morning, God is not through with your story here. And you just hold on to that, okay? That's why you're here, because you want to remember that about God. So those are the two parables that Jesus teaches before this beautiful parable of the lost son. And I'm just going to summarize this parable. Many of you know it. It's, it begins, a man had two sons, and one, the younger son, said to his father, Dad, I want my inheritance now. In other words, I don't want to wait till you die. I want all my stuff now. I want you to give me everything now, because I think I have a better plan for my life than you do, and I, I, I want to leave. And the father did what God always does. He honors our free will. And so he gave him his money and he left. And I got to tell you something, that when you first walk away from God, sometimes feeling that God is a little constricting of your lifestyle, it can feel pretty good at first, doesn't it? Wow, this is awesome. And I think it was awesome for him for a while. 
But like every road away from God's boundaries that are created for our health and our goodness because he knows how we're wired, if we go to any extremes that we think are going to please ourselves, we always end up where this son ended up. He squandered all he had, every last bit of it. And I'm sure at first his life was filled with people who were loving all that he had. And then when he had nothing, he had no one. And he had to hire himself out, out of desperation. And any of you have ever gotten to the end or know someone who's gotten to the end of what life is like apart from God, you know what this is like. He got to the end. And he ended up hiring himself to a ranch hand who hired him to feed the pigs. And one day he was... He was feeding the pigs, and the slop that he was feeding them began to look good to him because he was that hungry. And then something beautiful happens to this younger son. The text says this in verse 17. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. When he finally came to his senses. I've written a book last year called When Changing Nothing Changes Everything. And you say, well, how can that happen? My theory is if you could see the way God sees your life, everything would change, even if nothing changed at all. That's what it's like to come to your senses. And some of you have had that experience. All of a sudden, it dawns on you. What in the world am I doing? That's what happened to this younger son. He's looking at the slop. He's looking at himself, feeding pig slop, and he's going, what am I doing? I'm my father's son. And even if I've blown it, I'm just going to go back and become a servant to him because that would be better than the life that I'm living now. And then he made the most wonderful decision of all. He decided to go back to his father. He decided to bank on God's grace. And Jesus tells this parable because you are never too far from God's grace. No matter what you've done, no matter all the things in your resume, it doesn't matter. God's grace is free. And maybe some of you are going, well, that's not fair. You're right. God's grace is not fair. And that's what drives some people crazy. And we're going to see at the end of this parable that it drove the older son crazy. It drives us crazy that God's grace is free. Well, how can it be free? I must have to earn it. No. No, it's just there. The only thing that keeps you from God's grace is you. It's you. Because you will notice in the first two parables that the, the God figure in those parables goes after the sheep. The God figure in the parable of the coin goes after the coin. But the father in the parable son does not follow the son when he decides to walk away from God. He waits for him. He waits for him. That's how he shows that he's there. And so what happens in this story? Here's what happens. He says, I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I have a quote from my book that says this, in order to see our way forward, we sometimes have to look backward. Sometimes we're in a situation where we don't see where God is. I've been there many, many times. And those are the times when we have to remember. 
And that's what happened to this younger son. He had to remember, oh my gosh, what am I doing? My father. I'm going to go home to my father. Do you know remembering is why we gather on Sunday morning? It's not just to warm a pew here at Peninsula Covenant Church. It's for you to come here and remember who you are because a lot of you go back to lives where you're around a lot of people who don't believe in God. And so you come here because you go, I remember who I am. I'm God's child. And we sing reckless love and we remind ourselves how God has loved us. That's why we take communion. We remember. And that's what happened to this boy. He remembered who he was. And so he decided to go home. And so he went home. He returned home to his father. One of the things that I know about God is if there's a hundred steps between you and God, God will take 99, but he'll leave the last step for you. He does that because he honors your free will. He wants a relationship with you. He doesn't want to take you as a slave. He wants a relationship with you, and you get to choose that. And that's what this boy did. He said, I'm going to return home to my father. And that's what the father was waiting for. Look at verse 19. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. And listen to this. Let's just stop there for a minute. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. What does that tell you? Now, did he know that the son was going to come home that day? Or was he out there every single day for however many months or years this boy was away waiting for him? I'm not giving up. Can you imagine how other people were looking at him? Dude, you know, give it up. He's not coming home. No, I'm not giving up. That's what God is like with us. He never gives up. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming and filled with love and compassion. Not filled with judgment and to-do lists. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. Another quote from my book says this, we can't always see what might be directly ahead. Some of you are sitting in pain and difficulty right now, and what you don't know is right around the corner, God's got something. You don't give up. And this boy thought that he was going to have to do a big-time speech to even be seen by his dad. He thought, I'm ready to do that. I'll just get on my face. He probably practiced his speech the whole way there. Okay, Father, I've sinned against heaven and earth. I'll just, you know, eventually I'll, I'll just get it out and maybe I'll just throw myself down. I mean, I can imagine him picturing what he thought it would be like and it was nothing like he thought it would be like. We can't always see what might be directly ahead, especially when it comes to God. And so here's what happens. Verse 21, he starts his speech. Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. He doesn't even get another word out. And we get our word, but his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and now has returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. The son's move was simply to come back. The only thing that keeps you from God is you. He came back and he received this unfair grace. He got a party when he was expecting to be a slave. He got a party 
And that's what God is like when you come home, no matter how far you've gone. And then we have the elder brother who understandably, I mean, let's face it, I get how the, uh, the, how the elder brother felt. He hears this party going on. He's like, what in the world is going on? He's out working, working like he's been doing every single day ever since that younger boy left. And he finds out there's a party going on for his brother who's now come home. Is that fair? No, that's not fair. And here's what happens. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. Now listen to this. His father came out. His father came out. He left the party and begged him. We have a God who pursues you no matter where you are. If you're a rule follower, if you've been here every Sunday, if you wonder why God's doing things in other people's lives and not in yours because you've been following him, I can remember as a speaker, as somebody in the ministry going, God, why, why haven't you brought me a husband? I don't understand. It's not fair. Some things happen to us that aren't fair, and this was unfair. And so how does the father deal with it? He goes out. He goes out to that boy and he says, I love you, please come in. Here's what the text says. The older brother says, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. The father gently listens. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a single feast with my friends. And yet this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes. You celebrate by killing the fattened calf. The father patiently listens to him and then says, son, everything I have is yours. I'm not taking from you to give to somebody else. There's enough for everybody. Come join the party. Come join the party because it's partly your party too. That's what grace is. But we get to choose how we see ourselves. Are we going to receive this love? Do we see ourselves as a loved child of God? Or are we focused on the one or two areas of our life that don't seem fair? And why has God allowed this? He must not like me. I must not be doing the right thing. Why has this happened? I don't know what you're focused on this morning, but I want to introduce you to a friend of mine. He goes to Ocean Hills Church. And you want to talk about a guy who was dealt the wrong deck. It's my friend Chris. But Chris met Jesus, and he sees himself as a child of God. And I want you to hear his story from him. And then I will close. I am Silver Party. My app crashed when I was zero. That means I was suddenly dead when I was born. I weighed three pounds, one ounce. And my mom had a cranial aneurysm, and, you, and she died from that. And then my dad took me home. He couldn't take care of me for obvious reasons. and sent me down to live with my grandparents. I lived with them for about 20 years until I moved out. My aunt came into church for the first, for the first time. 
when, when I thought of church, I thought of choir music. And, and you know, when I got there, it was a small rock band. And I said, yeah, I can deal with this. So one thing led to another. I met Christ and it changed my life. God has given me new eyes even though I have a disability. And what I'm able to do with my abilities. Because of the opportunities God has laid out in front of me, I've been able to DJ. I've been able to do public speaking. I, I just landed a job at a new science museum. I've done several half marathons, one for the school for people with disabilities in, in Nicaragua. Jesus says, in their weakness, they are made strong. If I encounter a step that I can't go over, do I get first week? You take that. If I didn't have help, I couldn't do what I do. It's because of God's blessing that I'm able to do that. Jesus said that all these things on earth are just temporary. And things that are unseen are eternal. And he said, when we die, we don't die, we just change form. That's what I'm really looking forward to. Because what I can't do now, I will be able to do it then and forever. Chris was actually the DJ at our wedding. He goes to our church and he gets up every Sunday and gets dressed and gets in his power wheelchair and drives across Santa Barbara two hours to get to Ocean Hills to remember who he is that he is a loved child of God, that one day he's going to have a perfect body and he'll be able to speak clearly all the perfect thoughts that are in his head because he's going to be with Jesus forever. And this story is only a very small part of the story. And there's a lot about our life we didn't get to choose. We didn't get to choose the color of our skin, the parents we were born to, the situation we were born into, the economics of our uh, life, where in the world we were born, what time in history we were born. But we do get to choose every day how we see ourselves and how we live our lives. And that really is what motivated me to write this book because it's such a small part of the story, the eternal story that God has. And what Jesus wants to say through three parables is God loves you. You will never be out of his sight. 
you are loved no matter what your circumstances look like. And Jesus wants you to know it. Let's pray. So God, here we are, loved children of God, even if we don't feel like it right now, even if there are circumstances happening that make us feel like you are distant or uncaring or uninvolved. Lord, you don't dwell in our circumstances. You are actually God with us. You are Emmanuel. And Lord, you love us. And that's why Jesus didn't tell just one parable to talk about your love. He told three because he wanted us to know that your grace is there and free and wide and huge and for every, every, every one, all of us. All we have to do is say yes. So Lord, we say yes to that today. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening to the Peninsula Covenant Church podcast. We believe you're here for a reason, and we would love to connect with you more. Our campuses are located in Redwood City, California. You can find us online at wearepcc.com and on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for We Are PCC.